Thank you, Father. Amen. Uh, well, we'd like to continue our fellowship from Friday night. Uh, how many were here on Friday night? Okay, a good number and some new ones. We have an a outline or a handout. Maybe if you don't have an outline, you could raise your hand. And the ushers could get you one. There's uh, quite a few over here. We want to take, oh, uh, I'll take a little time, and you'll take a little time, and then you'll take a little time, which means uh, we're going to give a chance to all of you, well, not all of you will get a chance, but uh, be ready. Uh, We hope to save 20 or so minutes at the end where you could also prophesy and share something that you've enjoyed, and that can be from uh, Friday night or from this morning or... uh, Maybe some were there last night in New Providence, North Providence, and New Providence. New. Everything is new. I'm just pickled with that song. Everything is new in him. So the New Providence saints could maybe fellowship or uh, overflow if they enjoyed something. Okay, we're going to continue with the latter half of this. There should be session two there. Let's read the title. Probably the second page, third page. Ready? The vital groups are building up of the body of Christ. Okay, does everybody have an outline? Okay, good. All right, firstly, we'd like to share a little bit of Roman number one. Let's read that together. The vital groups are blended groups. And if you recall from our fellowship... We're talking about the body of Christ. We started with a vision, mainly from Ephesians, and then we uh, fellowshiped about how the Lord himself went about building this body, knowing he was going to pass through death and resurrection and have a body on the earth when he, uh, as a head, would no longer be visible, but he would be here in the body and be touchable in the body and have his reality in the body, and uh, how he worked with them uh, in twos and threes, and then we progressed on to the homes and how the Holy Spirit's invention was to gather the believers house by house. Yeah. Your house, your rented dwelling place, oh, your, uh, oh, yeah, your house, and so on, house to house, day by day. And these were very sad Christians. They were mourning the death of their Lord Jesus. And when they came together, they wept and they cried and they uh, were bitter. Was that the picture in Acts? No. They had revelation. They had divine life. It was their release. They had been released from a perverted generation. They were thankful and they were rejoicing, taking their food with exaltation. And praising God. Praise the Lord. They were happy campers. They were enjoyers. They were filled with the Spirit. They had each other. They had the homes. They had twos and threes. And uh, they were experiencing their Savior. They were happy and rejoicing. So this is the pattern we have at the beginning of the church life. Uh, this is what we want to enter into. They were in the reality of their Lord, enjoying, and they had each other, loving each other, uh, eating together, rejoicing house to house, day by day. So we progressed uh, in that way. And then this morning we like to go a little further and focus on the, uh, the blending of these. As they got together in the homes, uh, they needed to be blended together. If they were going to continue together, then if they remained in their peculiarities or their own disposition, then eventually it wasn't going to be so sweet. Uh, So the Lord desired to blend them in such a way as one body. So we have these verses here. The vital groups are blended groups. They're not just gathered grains, still uniquely grains. Here's four grains. You remain whole, but you're together. You're grouped. 
That's not a blended group. That's a group, but it's not blended. Until there's the uh, blending or the mixing and the mingling so that the lines of demarcation fall away and the peculiarities get dealt with and there's care, love, and the sweet harmony, then you cannot be, you're not a blended group. You may be a group, but not a blended group. So we want to take this word, the only time it's used in the New Testament, and read this section of verses, 1 Corinthians 12, 23 through 25. You ready? Let's read them. But much rather the members of the body, which seem to be weaker, are necessary. And those members of the body, which we consider to be less honorable, these we clothe with more abundant honor. And our uncomely members come to have more abundant comeliness. But our comely members have no need. But God has blended the body together, giving more abundant honor to the member that lacked. Division in the body, but that the members would have the same care for one another. So here are the members, and all, all the members all the same. No. In fact, the verse uh, right above this says, now the members are many. Oh, no, before he asked the question, if all the members, if all, if, and if all were one member, where would the body be? If all were one member, if all were a shoulder, all there were were these strong shoulders, that would be no body. That would be a monster. The Lord did not create our physical body like that, nor is his spiritual body like that. There are many kind of members. And in this little section, we see three different kind of members. So when you're vilely grouped, our tendency may be to want to be like the, you know, we may be a shoulder, so we're going to look for other shoulders. We just can fellowship with shoulders. We're a shoulder brother. I'm a strong shoulder. So if I can't be grouped with another strong one, I'm not going to do it. Well, guess what? That's not the body, the way of the body. The body is blended with members that are not alike. Some are weaker. So you can underline in verse 22, weaker. They seem to be weaker. And they are necessary. Weaker ones, all us weaker ones. You are necessary. We cannot go on without you. We need you. All of us need the weaker ones. And the weaker ones need the stronger ones. Okay, what's the next kind of member? In 23, uh, there's some that are less honorable. So you could call them the uncomely. Uncomely, you know what uncomely means? Not attractive. An armpit. Not attractive, but we need it. We got to have it. Maybe the shoulder's big and strong, but under the shoulder, ah. You got to have the armpit. God put an armpit in our body. And in the body of Christ, there are armpits. Not so comely. There are feet. You know, I spend more money on my feet. These shoes actually cost more than this suit. No kidding. I spent more money on these two uncomely members, the toes, than I did on this whole rest of my body. More abundant honor. That's the blending. And there's another kind of member. But our comely members have no need. They're comely members. Maybe, uh, I don't know, the eyes or something or the face, you know, it's just attractive. So uh, we have all kind of members. This is God's wisdom, and they're all needed, and they're not the same. So you have to realize when the Lord groups you, don't be hung up on this member's not like me. There's a reason for that. He's blended the body together. Blending is a Tempering. He's tempered to adjust. The stronger ones need the weaker ones. The weaker ones need the stronger ones. 
The quick ones need the slow ones. The slow ones need the quick ones. The, uh, uh, the comely ones need the uncomely ones. The eloquent ones need the not-so-eloquent ones. A tempering. And that produces a useful body. You have tempering. Do you know what tempering means? Tempering is used... Uh, uh, I took metal shop when I was in high school, and we tempered. We made these chisels. And, you know, chisels, to be useful, it has to be tempered. So we would make this chisel, and then we would heat it. It got red hot. And then the, the teacher said, now stick it in the cold water. So we put it in the cold. And now he said, heat it again. So we'd heat it up again, stick it in the cold. So we did this several times. It's called tempering, T-E-M-P-E-R, tempering. And a brother in Austin who's a physics PhD, uh, let me use the board here. Just, he gave us, he told us it's like this. What's happening with tempering is you have metal, a piece of metal. And in that metal, there are what are called domains. At the atomic level, there are domains uh, of atoms that all are similar, similar in characteristics. Can you see my drawing? It should be bigger. And so these domains all have their peculiarities. And untempered, this metal is easily fractured, splintered. But uh, the, it becomes useful when you heat it. So you get this red hot, and then when you stick it, when you, when you heat it up, these domains, they, uh, the barriers are broken down, and the domains are reduced in number, like this. So the peculiarities are dealt with, and when you heat it up, you get it hot, these domains come together, and then when you cool it, it locks those fewer domains in. So it becomes stronger. And you do it again, and it reduces the domains. And you can't ever get down to one domain. That's the New Jerusalem. <laughs> but through this process of heating and cooling, uh, the metal becomes more useful. And so you need the hot and the cold for the body to be useful right. to God. Right. He, needs, he needs hot and cold, Amen. strong and weak, Amen. quick and slow, eloquent and uneloquent. And through this blending, this tempering, then the body becomes so useful to him. Amen. Uh, so we have the word blending, which means to temper, tempering the body. Okay, now here's a quote. Let's read this. Uh, how about I just read it for you? Uh, to accept coordination is nothing other than to accept the restriction of those who are fellow members and who are serving together with you. Coordination is a what? Restriction. It is a total restriction by others. I cannot serve alone. I can only serve together with the brothers and the sisters in the church. I can only accept the other's restriction and coordinate with them. If they are spiritual, I have to coordinate with them. If they are not spiritual, I also have to coordinate with them. If they are deep, I have to coordinate with them. If they are superficial, I also have to coordinate with them. If they are natural, I have to coordinate with them. If they are carnal, I still have to coordinate with them. At this time, we will have the genuine coordination. And at this time, such a coordination will be in oneness, and it will be knitted together firmly and fitted together properly. By this time, we will come into a realm. We will touch something and will realize the glorious fact that the church is the body of Christ. Amen. We will truly touch the reality of the body. Amen. So... Uh, all different types, all different members are necessary for the body, and God is blended. 
us together and is blending us together. And here you have a picture in Judges, the effect of this blending, what God gets out of this blending. It's terrifying. Let's read this verse together, Judges 7, 13. And when Gideon came at the moment, a man was dreamed his companion. So here you have the rolling barley loaf. It's quite interesting. It wasn't just a bunch of grains rolling into the camp. That didn't strike fear in the heart of the enemy. But it was unusual. It was a barley loaf, a rolling barley loaf. One loaf, like we sang tonight, this morning. One loaf on the table. When the Lord gives this blended oneness, one man, one body, one loaf blended, what that does to the enemy is it strikes fear. Amen. The oneness of the Lord's body is the only thing that will uh, defeat Satan. Amen. So you have the effect. It's not just so we could be blended, but it's to complete God's purpose, to fulfill Amen. His purpose, to deal with His enemy. Amen. Without the blending, then we are mostly fighting each other and the enemy is laughing at us, but when we're blended, then he's in trouble. And uh, just like in Gideon's case, the, the tent, his tent's going to collapse. His kingdom's going to collapse, and the kingdom of our Lord and Christ will take over. So you can see briefly the, their, the effect this will have on the enemy. Okay, then we'd like to cover the second point. Let's read it. The three main principles of our living in the body of Christ. Ephesians, let's read Ephesians 4, 12, uh, 15 through 16. Okay, the three principles we have in mind here are the principle of the head to the body. You have in this first uh, 15, you have the body holding the head. Yeah. So if we're going to have a proper body life, we all as individual members need to be holding the head. Right. Anytime we disconnect right. from the head, yeah. then we have trouble. That's right. uh, my son, a few years back, he severed the tip of his finger and it was uh, about one quarter of it was uh, still attached and uh, we took him to the emergency room the uh, physician on duty just said well you might as well just cut it off a little below that because you're not going to keep it it's detached too far detached and there was no feeling no uh, you know the the nerve endings were damaged and then uh, we called in the specialist Praise the Lord. Amen. I'd ask my son, well, do you want to uh, just go ahead and cut it down or do you want a specialist to look at it? It's your decision. <laughs> he was about 14 at the time, so he said, well, let's talk to the specialist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so a specialist came in and uh, re repaired the nail bed and sewed it back, and he said it's got such and such percent of making it. And it made it. Amen. It got reattached. Amen. But while it was detached, it had no, there was no function of it. It got detached, the nervous system, which is a picture of the spirit, which operates in all of us to coordinate us, it was detached so it was not functioning at all. And so if we uh, stray from the head, then we as members become paralyzed. We cannot function because our head uh, controls all things. Amen. So the first principle is all the members, all of you members, yeah. we want to stay attached and receiving from the head. Amen. The second principle, you know, uh, while we're on that one, actually the way that comes in is there's obedience, the key word there. Yeah. The uh, body has no problem responding to the head. Uh, the nervous system carrying out the, the head's uh, 
desires. My body is not uh, painfully obeying my head. It's joyfully connected to my head and serving the head, loving the head, and loving the members. So the, the, it's, it's not a grin and bear it obedience. It's a joyful heading up obedience under the authority. And you read this quote here. Uh, it says, uh, I'll read it to you. Uh, Brothers and sisters, we talk about mutual love, but this love of ours, but this love of ours, one for the other, is very transient. There's only one place where love is permanent, and that is under the head of the church. Nowhere else is there true harmony or permanent relatedness. When we are willing to be broken under his authority, something tremendous happens. A building process begins to take place. A constant acceptance of the discipline of his government makes way for the flow of his life. And so the building work goes on apace. Those brothers and sisters who have been our problems become our blessings. And it's not long before a company is built up in the life of Christ. So you see the key there is holding the head. Then secondly, the relationship between the body and the members. The body and all the other members of the body, the principle is what? Fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship Fellowship means I need you. You have something I need. I as a member am connected not just with the head but with all the members. Uh, The members are all necessary. So to fellowship means we need you. We need you. You need me. We need your portion. We need your supply. We need your fellowship. You see the principle here? If we're just isolated, independent, individualistic, then we're not properly related to the body. We're not in fellowship. We don't see we have a need. We need each other. And this, is, this need is met through the fellowship. The supply comes. We receive the help through the fellowship. Okay, and then the third principle uh, is encapsulated in this next quote. Uh, Let's read it. In order to serve the Lord properly and adequately, we need to be related to one another, not in a general way, but in a definite way. Only when we are related to the saints in a definite way will we learn the lessons regarding the dealing with the self and the breaking of the outer man. The best way for ourselves to be dealt with and for our outer man to be broken is for us to be related. So through this relatedness and this fellowship, then this third principle of uh, each member functioning, which you see in these verses, uh, the operation and measure of each one part, then you have the supply, the operation to all the members. So the members not only receive, but they also give. They serve. So these are three principles, uh, holding the head, obeying the head, fellowshipping with the members, meaning I need you, Juan, you brother, I need you, brother, and then serving, you also need me. You need the supply. So we're receiving and we're supplying. These are principles here in the body. Okay, then we go on to the foundation of the home meetings, living in the spirit and building up our meeting life in small groups. So, uh, in the meeting life, let me illustrate it this way. Uh, If I could use a board again. Okay, the foundation of our grouping, our meeting life in the homes, it may look like this. And this is okay if, you're, if this is where you're at. And this is uh, my case, and this is a Tuesday night. So on Tuesday, we come together in the evening, have a very good fellowship and uh, touching the Lord. And then the rest of the week, not much. And then another Tuesday, 
another week, and then another Tuesday. So I call these the towers. <laughs> this whole meeting means everything. Uh, I, uh, I get supplied here. I get strengthened here. The rest, we come together, we enjoy it, so we go up, and then we come down. And we go through the rest of the week, and we go up for a couple hours, and come down. <laughs> and we go up like a roller coaster. Well, okay, uh, what's beginning to happen? And, and this is good if you are in a home. This is much better than just having <laughs> a flat line. This is much better. But, but this also, the Lord wants to fill in these times here. And it's too difficult for all of you to get together. The schedules are so varied. But what we can do... <laughs> and this vital group or home gathering is in twos and threes throughout the week. We can get together. So in my situation, there's some brothers there that we, uh, there are, oh, there's some brothers and sisters, about seven or eight of us, and we get together on Monday at lunch, and we fellowship and pray. And so that gets uh, filled in. And then uh, during the week, some of these sisters also get together in twos. I know two of them, they get together and pray. So they get together in twos and threes. And then I get together with uh, one of these brothers on the campus and have an appointment with him. He's a student. Yeah. And then I get together with another one on the campus. And actually there's two or three of us then, and we get together. And then a group of the sisters are also on the phone together, praying and fellowshipping. And you see eventually, uh, and some of them get together, and you see in all little twos and threes, ways, shapes, forms, eventually one of these brothers uh, that also meets another home group on Tuesday, they count up, they have 18 interactions with each other in twos and threes among this throughout the week. So eventually this just gets filled in. Amen. So no longer do we have a tower experience where the meeting has to be just perfect and the ministry has to be just right and there's so much pressure on making sure this thing happens properly and all the things, all the needs get taken care of. You cannot take care of all the needs in one home gathering for two hours. But through the twos and threes throughout the week, then the shepherding can go on, the fellowship can go on, the needs can be met to get together and pray and fellowship. Students I get with, they are worried about their finals. Anybody here worried about their finals? No, Y'all don't have any anxiety in the Northeast. They want to pray about their finals. They're concerned about, you know, one's a new mother with a baby. She wanted to get with my wife. What am I supposed to do with this, this newborn? Needs. Real human needs, right. and there needs to be fellowship and prayer and care that goes on Amen. throughout, Amen. so that when we come together, it's almost like a family. Just It's an expression of the relatedness we've been having throughout the week. Maybe it's a phone call, or you know, maybe you work down the, in the same building as the other brother, or maybe you're on the same campus as another brother. It's just all... Uh, organically, twos and threes, seeking each other out, having fellowship, caring for one another, and that starts to fill in. So you don't go from a Tuesday to Tuesday, a tower experience. You have the foundation. We use the word foundation is laid there. The foundation of the whole meetings, living in the spirit and building up our meeting life in the small groups of twos and threes. So this is where we feel like there needs to be a lot more development in our yeah. church life. If we're day-to-day yeah. -day and house-to-house, -house, that means you can drop in in a home. We have people, we live close to the campus, people from this Tuesday, they drop in just to come over for a little bit, and they drop out of the home for that two hours or that, that hour time we had. So you have a lot of twos and threes. Okay, then let's get to this third point here. Let's read it are coming together in small groups, twos and threes. Okay, uh, 
the Ephesians verse we uh, covered before last Friday night, what, what is the surpassing, the prayer that he, we would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe yeah. according to the operation of the might of his strength. Yeah. And we emphasized how when we get together in these groups, uh, because we have difference in personalities, dispositions, it's so easy to uh, offend and to uh, uh, get divided. And that's, in, in the big meeting, we can all sit here nicely once a week and have a smile, spray on your Lord's Day morning smile, everything's great, I'm fine, I'm doing fine, how are you? Fine, brother, see you next week, amen, brother, and go. And it's like we have, we're each wearing a hat, and it's got a, a big two-by-four. Sisters, you know what a two-by-four, it's a piece of board, and it sticks out about two feet in the front and about two feet in the back, and it's an invisible hat. So you stand up, brother, and you stand up, and Earl, you stand up, and how, what's your name? Matt, you stand up. Okay, so each of these brothers has a two-by-four hat <laughs> like this, sticking out front and back, this long board. And so when we're in the meeting hall and we're not related at all, you can turn this way, you can swing, and it doesn't hit anybody. That's right. And you can, all, all of you spin around, see? Just make one spin. <laughs> the, you know, two-by-four swinging, and it doesn't hit anybody because we're unrelated. It just doesn't matter, you know. It's hello, praise the Lord, Psst, goodbye, see you. And during the week, you're dying, you're, uh, you can't pay your mortgage, your kid's health is going down, they just failed a class, uh, your, your boss is chewing you out, and uh, on and on and on, you know. It's in every case. Don't tell me you don't have problems. You're a liar. And that's another one of your problems. It's just lying to me. Okay, but when you come together as a group, Okay, now you brothers, just come on. We're going to be a vital group. Okay, right here. Come over here. We get close together. Okay, now each of you turn, turn a direction. Bam, bam, bam. So now you look, and this, guy, this brother's got black and blue eyes. And this one's nosebleed. You're going, what's wrong with your nose? Hey, what happened to your eyes? Well, because of our peculiarities, when we turn that way, we smack him in the face. And he turns back and smacks us, and it's just like boom, boom, boom. Right, brothers? Anybody can identify with that? Amen. Okay, thank well, you. Actually, David and I meet every Monday. Yeah. yeah. So your eyes are really black and blue there. Right? If we don't have the surpassing greatness of his power, we're all going to be laid out on the floor, knocked out because of our differences. But when we come together and closely as twos and threes, that's when we experience to die to that situation, that peculiarity. Let the body balance me. Let that thing go. Let it be exposed. If the Lord is going to blend us together, we need the grouping because the grouping will help expose our two by four. And that brother will, you know, you'll see that brother bleeding and you'll go, what's wrong, brother? And then some fellowship. Well, you know, some help will come. Amen. So the Lord can touch us, Amen. touch the course, so we'll be blendable. Amen. Right. Amen. And in Romans, you have this beautiful picture at the end of Romans 16. You have this verse. Let's read it. Now the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Okay. This is a tremendous verse, and it's only placed in this one position, and it's at the end, not the beginning, of the book of Romans. And if you read through chapter 16, uh, there's all this development throughout all Romans coming up to this beautiful reality where you have 20, before this verse, there's 27 different names mentioned. And 24 of them are not mentioned anywhere else in the New Testament. So... Uh, and what you see is that they are in these groups. You have verse, let me see if I can just give you the verses in Romans real quickly here. In chapter 20, I'll just give you the verses 16. 
You have uh, verse 5, you have the church in their house, Aquila and Priscilla. That's one group of saints we're meeting. And then you have verse 10, greet those of the house of Aristobulus, those of the house. And verse 11, greet Herodian, my kinsman, greet those of the house of Narcissus. 14, you have greet Asyncretus, that means uh, not synchronized, <laughs> unsociable. In the small groups, there are some out-of-tune, unsociable members. You need them, Mr. Sociable. You need Mr. Unsociable. There's a place for everybody in the body of Christ. He placed us. It's not you placing. It's a good thing you didn't do this. He did it. Uh, then Philegon, whatever, Hermes, and, and the brothers with them. Then you have 15, greet Philologus, Julia, and on, and all the saints with them. So you have these, these saints grouping, and then he says in 20, when you have this proper church life expressed through these related saints in these homes or vital groups, then you have Satan being crushed under your feet Amen. shortly. Amen. So the Lord will crush Satan yeah. under whose feet? Our, Our feet. feet. That's the feet of the body. That's Christ. That's right. You know, the, the body Christ has some feet. And these saints in Rome were properly related, grouped, loving the Lord, house to house, day by day. And that's when the Lord said, now, Shortly, Satan will be crushed under your feet. Amen. That's the feet of the body. Amen. It's the feet of the church. Amen. So you have the crushing, and even you have another little group mentioned. Paul was writing, and he was in a little vital group there, and Corinth, I believe, writing from, and one of the brothers was named Cortus. Cortus, and it says, this brother, he's a city treasurer, and Paul, of course, writing the epistle, greet you. And Gaius, the host, he was very capable of hosting the, the host of the whole church. I mean, my goodness, what kind of capacity did his wife have? The host of the whole church. I thought the Beckers were doing well to take care of us. But can you imagine Dave and Debbie, the whole church? Uh, and then you have Quartus, the brother. No, no. No title, no recognition, just Cordus. Cordus. You know what Cordus means? Fourth. Fourth. So he's not first. No, my kids ran the track meets in the elementary. They always wanted the blue ribbon. And if you didn't get a blue, you had to get a red. If you didn't get a red, you had to get a white. And if you didn't get a white, you got a green participation. They would just throw the green away. And they just want all blue ribbons. Just want to be the first. That's what we are. We're, we're not, you know, but in the church, Cortus. Cortus is in there. Cortus is needed. Cortus the fourth, the brother. Praise the Lord, there's a place for you. In the church of Jesus, there is a place for you and me, all of us. And actually, if you look at the Latin, uh, that's what it means in the Greek. In the Latin, it means not a loaf. L-O-A-F. Cordus means not a loaf. That means he's a grain. He's not a loaf. But when he gets with the other brothers, in this picture here, when he's with Paul and company, he's part of the loaf. So use the, uh, the Lord can take all the members, even the, the four string, the four string, and make a loaf, and that terrifies that's part of the feet that crushed Satan. Yeah. Isn't God wise? Yeah. Isn't he all-knowing? So we shouldn't try to second-guess. Right. The Lord grouped me with these. They're so different from me, yeah. and they're beating me with their two-by-fours. Right. Just hold the head. Yeah. Let the Lord, let the body balance you. Yeah. And you know who's going to get crushed? Not you, right. but Satan. Yeah. Praise the Lord for the homes. And for the twos and threes, filling our week up. 
So there's the care, the proper care and fellowship. Okay, Neil, you're going to take the next point? One thing, as I'm getting the microphone, look at the little uh, footnote there under what Tim was sharing. You know, we all know that Romans ends with uh, the body expressed through the local churches. But look at uh, that. It's not a footnote. It's actually from the conclusion of the Bible. Do you see that uh, little section there? Why don't you go ahead and read that in the gray there? that good? It's contained, it's composed of saints who mainly meet in small groups. Well, I'm just so glad to be with all the Green Ribbon Brothers this morning. And, and I was even thinking about my situation. I meet with some Green Ribbon Brothers. And uh, you know what? When the Green Ribbon Brothers all come together, that is a powerful unit. You know, it says where two or three are gathered together and there's harmony there. So many things happen, and, and we just have to realize, brothers, we're not here just to be all Blue Ribbon Brothers. We're here to be together, and not just together as grains, but blended grains, that the Lord would have a free way to move on the earth and at His body, that we could enter into the reality of His body. So I, I'm just glad I'm with all the members and we need all the members. Well, uh, the last point that we just wanted to touch briefly, and we're going to try to stop by quarter of 12 so you all can share, um, is number four. Let's all read this together. Ready? Go. Being released from our burdens and restored in our capacity for fruit bearing. Okay. So what are we, brothers, when you, when, if, you, if, we, if we could just have a kind of a spiritual x-ray? <coughs> I mean, what are we in the Lord's eyes? In other words, uh, you know, if I ask this brother, what do you do for a living? He's going to tell me he's some type of analyst or he's some type of, you know, someone that does something. I ask another person, what do you do for a living? I'm an attorney. I ask another person, what do you do for a living? I'm a mechanical engineer. But in the spiritual x-ray, what are you in God's eyes? See, I, I, I want you to think about this. In other words, you know, we ask, well, what do you do for a living, brother? Well, I do this, I do that. Actually, in the spiritual x-ray, every one of us is a branch in the vine. And I have noticed over the years, I've just watched over the years, do you know when the saints, old, young, middle-aged, become so alive and so happy? It's when they're taking care of their function as a branch in the vine. Okay, I, where's Earl? Earl? Earl left. Earl, come over here, Earl. <laughs> okay, look at this branch in the vine, a blue branch in the vine. Look at this. Okay, I, I met him this morning, and uh, he was excited, and he was fresh, and he was living. And, uh, and one of the reasons he started telling me about your daughter, right? Amen. Is she here today? She's not. Okay, she's not here, but why were you excited? Is because there was some fruit bearing going on, Amen. and she was becoming alive, and actually her becoming alive was making you alive. Amen. Isn't that right? Okay, you can sit down, Branch. <laughs> this, this, listen, when saints touch this, they become alive, they become vibrant, they become living. You know, I was here in 2003, about this same time in April, and we were in Connecticut, and uh, Don was sharing, and then we had testimonies for the saints. And then Ken, and your wife's name is Elaine, is that right? They started sharing this story about these Russian saints living in their basement. And I just was looking at Ken and Elaine, and here are these older community saints. And they, it was like electric, listening to them, how living, how vibrant they were by taking care of people. Okay, I don't care what place you go to on the earth. I don't care where you go. You are never, never going to go into a store and say, could I have a vine wood desk? You are never, I don't care how many antique shops you have on the Cape, how many antique shops you have in Boston, you are never going to go in there and find a vine wood chair. You're never going to do it. 
because a vine is only good for one thing, and that is to produce fruit. Okay, and listen, if it's not producing fruit, it's not happy. And with many of us, you know, when we're not in the realm of fruit bearing, in other words, what are we blended for? Why are we coming together? Just so that, you know, we won't fight and all the two-by-fours will be knocked off? We're coming together for purpose, and that is that there would be fruit. And so when when we're taking care of our, and I would like to call it this way, taking care of our destiny, and that is our destiny, and that is to bear fruit. We are all, just like Tim said, happy campers. But when we're not taking care of our destiny and we're taking care of something else, and albeit that something else might be very good, we still are not fully satisfied inside. But when we are taking care of destiny, we are a satisfied person. Because not only is life coming in and we're enjoying that life, but that life is coming out and flowing into another person. Amen. And I think Brother Nee shared this. He says, there's two happy days, the two happiest days in a person's life for this. Do you all know the two happiest days? The first day is the day that you receive Christ. Amen. That is a happy day. Amen. And I tell you, when I received Christ, it was happy. Amen. You know what the second happiest day in a believer's life is? When he helps someone else receive Christ. Amen. And I would say this, with many of us, that's happier than when we got saved. When we see someone else receive the life of God, we are happy. And, you know, I was there in Taiwan, and Brother Lee was sharing, and and I I shared this last night, and and, uh, he was, was, the the stock market was just booming in Taiwan, 1987, and all the Western goods were coming into Taiwan. And, uh, And, you know, the saints there... It was, it was very easy to make a lot of money there. And Brother Lee said this. He said, he said, brothers, he says, there is only two things that are of eternal value. And he said, number one is leading someone to the Lord. This is of eternal value. Amen. And he said, number two, shepherding someone is of eternal value. Amen. And you know what? Everything else, brothers, no matter how noble it is, no matter how good it is, does not transfer into the other next age. But the person you lead to the Lord transfers. 401Ks don't transfer. Stocks don't transfer. Only those people we lead to the Lord, they transfer into the next age. And those people we shepherd, they transfer into the next age. And when we touch that, that shepherding life inside of us is released We're so happy because we're touching something that's not just for this age, but we're touching something eternal and that will go into the next age. And I've just seen, you know, we we had this brother, was it Lyle? Last night you gave a testimony. And didn't you give a testimony last night? And is that sister here that you were taking care of? Where is she? Right behind you. Okay. She stayed at your house. Now, let me ask you a question, brother. Were you happy when that was going on, shepherding this sister? got shepherded also. Okay. It works both ways, right? Amen. Okay, now Lyle, when she left, how did you feel? Sad. Did you hear that? He felt sad when she left because there's something there of eternal, of eternity. You're touching something of eternity. You're ministering to this person, both humanly and spiritually. You're ministering to that person, and you just sense the loss, the sadness. But when that person was there, you're so happy. There's no room. There's no time for pity parties. There's no time for self. There's no time for me, myself, and I. That's the unholy tri- tri- triumvirate is me, myself, and I and my problems. When we're focused on someone new, someone that's a baby, we just get all the big things become so small. And, you know, when we don't have a baby to pour into, all the little things become really big. But saints, this is our destiny. I want you to get this this morning. This is our destiny to flow the life of God into another person, either initially or on a continual basis for their shepherding. This is our destiny. And we're programmed. We're programmed this way. You know, when when I got married, I got married late in life. So the saints can't understand that my youngest is seven years old. 
My oldest is 13-year-old. You know, I look like I should have kids that are married already. And uh, so I got married a little late in life. And, and uh, um, you know, it, the wives, they're so good. They just help the slow husbands. They're, they're so good. Thank you, wives. You're, you're such a help to us. And uh, so, you know, I got into the married life, and I was enjoying the married life. And, uh, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, we'd get the Sunday paper. And uh, you, know, you know how they have all those advertisements in the Sunday paper for the different stores? And my wife would be sitting there reading it in the other room. And all of a sudden, I'd hear this, baby, baby. And, and I'm like, you know, what's this thing with baby, you know? And she's looking through all the baby ads, you know, for the strollers and this and that. And, you know, she was trying to tell me something. And I'm, I'm like, uh, well, wait, you know, let's, uh, let's slow down. Let's enjoy this marriage thing first, you know? And, and uh, every Sunday morning, baby, baby, baby. And I'm like, what is this baby thing? Well, eventually, as a slow husband, I started to realize there's something within her that wants to have children. And, you know, eventually, a baby came. <laughs> and it was wonderful, saints. And, you know, actually, you know, I was, I was you know, old, because I was older, I was a little afraid. How can I be a father? And am I going to love this thing when it comes out? And, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just you know, and, and, you know, we'd go to these birthing classes and, and, uh, and, you know, you're there and you listen to the music and breathe and all this, you know, stuff. And it, it's okay to go, but it doesn't work. <laughs> and so, so I, I'm, I'm there in the breathing class. But they, they didn't tell us about babies that come out and they're, and they're premature. So our first one was six weeks premature. So he comes out and the doctor hands me the baby. But they didn't tell me that when they come out of the womb, they have this big pinhead, you know. And so, here, Mr. Wolfson, here's your son. I'm going, ah! You know? <laughs> I mean, I, I had no idea that eventually the head goes back to its normal position and everything. And uh, anyways, listen, saints. All of a sudden, you just spend time with this baby. And we'd have to, you know, the, the baby was a neonatal. He was in neonatal for 17 days. And, uh, you know, they would tell us, when you go there, one of the most important things is to touch the baby. They would say, that's so important that you make contact with the baby. And so we'd go there, and, uh, you know, I'm his husband, you know, all the tubes are coming out and everything. Just touch, rub the baby's arm. Then we come back, and, and on the chart, they have the weights. And you're, and you're looking, is the baby eating? And you're looking at the weights, and, oh, he's four and a third pounds today. And you come back three days later, five. You know, he made it up to five pounds, and, and you're touching it, and you're praying. And eventually, you know, what happens when you touch these young college students in your house? You know, you might at first think, ooh, it's a little pinhead, you know. <laughs> you, you, yeah, yeah. I don't know about this brother right here. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you know? Okay, but listen, week after week, these people come into your house, you touch them. You touch them. And then you begin to pray for these people. Do you know what Paul said in Thessalonians? He says, you became beloved. You know, by that constant touching, that constant praying, you became beloved. And all these become so beloved to us. I, I just believe, Earl, you just, I touched, just touched you a little bit today. You're a beloved brother. I just, I, I just, I just realized what a mercy that you're here. You're with the body here. What a mercy. And, and, and saints, as we begin to touch these people and we begin to pray for these people, they become beloved to us. Okay, here's the problem, and this is what we're going to talk about for 10 minutes, and that is we're all out in the community, and uh, we have problems. Saints, we have problems with health. We have problems with our job. We have problems with finances. We have problems. We, let, let's say we've been in the church 30 years, 35 years. You know what a big problem we have is? 
what our track record is and all the failures. And we, we can tell you the dates, the times, all of our failures. We have problems. We have situations with our family, with our kids, all sorts of burdens that are on us. And you know what the Lord, he set the example with Peter. And he set the example, first of all, to release Peter from his problem so that he could be restored back to his commission, which was what? To shepherd, to feed, to take care of the lambs. So you look at this first one. In John 20, 21, I'll read it. It says, Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. You know, we all know John 20, 22 about the breathing, but very few of us pay attention to John 20, 21, which is his commission. He was commissioned. Peter and the, and the 11 there were commissioned by the Lord. He said, I also send you. And then right after he said, I send you, he breathed into them. And I think I've read in the ministry in a place where it was almost like this. The boats were out with the sails. And then after he said, I send you, to send the boats out, the gospel ships, to send them out. Okay, here he is. He says, I send you. And then what did Peter do? Had a major, another major failure. Now, you have to understand, saints, these are all within 50 days, these failures. The first one, he denies the Lord three times to his face and gets exposed by a little maidservant. Says, I never knew the man. He denies the Lord. And then on top of that failure, what does he do? As soon as the Lord breathes into him, he says, I'm going fishing. <laughs> Does not compute. I tilt. I send you. As my father sent, sent me, I send you. And Peter goes fishing. A major failure. Major failure. But the Lord, he loved Peter. And he all the time was there with a burden to restore him. To his commission. So let's read John 21 15 together. Let's all read it. Ready? Go. You know, you, you, if, you know, if we had name tags here, you could just cross out your first name and you know what you could put there? No, no, no. You see, it's, it, what's your last name, Earl? Strong. Strong? We put, instead of Earl Strong, failure strong. Amen. <laughs> see, this, this is what we are. We're just, we're Peters. We're failures. Okay, your last name is Heinz? Swag. Failure Swag. Okay, your last name is what? Raftree. Failure Raftree. Say, I don't care what your, first, your, your last name is. Your first name is failure. Amen. Okay, and you know, the longer you've lived on this earth, the more evident it is. You know, like when I, you're in high school, college, you just, I can take over. I'm going to rule the world. Brother, what do you think? Do you agree with me? What's your first name? Yeah. No, it's failure. <laughs> you see, this is our case. We're failures. But the Lord comes to restore the failures. Amen. Okay, let me read the footnote to you just to save time. Here the Lord was what? He was restoring Peter's love toward him. Peter did have a heart to love the Lord, but he was too confident in his own strength, his natural strength. His love for the Lord was precious, but his natural strength had to be denied and dealt with. The Lord allowed Peter to fail utterly in denying the Lord to his face three times, so that his natural strength and his self-confidence could be dealt with. Furthermore, the Lord, I mean, furthermore, Peter had just taken the lead to backslide from the Lord's call. His natural confidence in his love toward the Lord also must have been dealt with by this failure. Yet, <laughs> what is this? Yet, he might have been somewhat what? How about all the disappointed ones in the church life? Somewhat disappointed, the Lord therefore came to restore his love toward him to charge him with the shepherding of his church. Amen. The Lord is always coming to restore the failures. 
coming to restore those that are under something that we could be restored to our commission and have capacity for our commission, which is to shepherd the lambs. Amen. Then in B, it says bearing one another's capacity, bearing, bearing one another's, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, restoring one another's capacity for fruit bearing. Let's all read Galatians 6 2. Bearing one another's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ completely. Brothers, we, we have to. The Lord in these last days has to bring us into this, has to bring the, us into this, that we could really see one another as needy people that need to be released from burdens and not just a kind of a spiritual being. Uh, I want you to understand what I'm saying. So many of us have burdens that we don't know about. And so we get together and, uh, you know, I, I'm meeting. What's your name, brother? Peter. Okay. Peter and I are getting together. <laughs> Peter? No, failure. Right? <laughs> okay. I, we get together, and, and we're in a group of three or four. And uh, I notice he's not praying. And uh, so, you know, in the past, you know, we, we, we just were so, I, I don't know how to say it, immature or we were, uh, so cruel to one another, but, but it was like this. It's like, you know, I might not say it, but come on, brother. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Exercise your spirit. Turn, Brother, 18 inches. Get out of here and go down to here. Exercise your spirit. But meanwhile, he just lost his job. But I'm just in the realm of, brother, you're a spirit. I don't realize he's a man that just lost his job. Okay, his daughter just got in a car accident. His wife is working 60 hours a week and can't help take care of the things at home, so he has to do the lot. I mean, brothers, we have to see that behind the person you're with, there is so much going on behind that person, and there's burdens on that person, and if we don't open to one another and help one another to get released from those burdens, we can speak about fruit bearing until we're blue in the face and nobody's going to bear fruit because they're under all these heavy burdens. But our, our commission when we're with one another is to open and let the Lord release us. You know, Earl was telling me that you were under a burden. We won't say what it was, but you were under a burden and you met Dave and you said like within two minutes, after some fellowship, the burden got released. And you know what happens when the burden gets released? Capacity for fruit bearing is restored. Amen. Okay, I got with this brother. He and I would meet together. I would drive out to his job. We would meet together. And I mentioned this on, on Friday night, but for those that weren't here, I want you to hear this again. And I was a full-timer on the campus. I still am. I was so excited about all the new ones, all the Lord was doing on the campus. And I would just fill his ear with how great the new ones are i just fill his ear and i was genuine and i was excited and he told me later i got tired of hearing about all your new ones and i believe a community saint sometimes they were in the realm of i'm tired of hearing all about this campus stuff and everything like that you know why because there's burdens there that are just weighing us down and so eventually i was with his brother and you know what came out he had two high school boys, and they weren't doing well together. And you know what we started doing? Instead of praying for the new ones and praying for the home meeting and praying for all the, quote, spiritual things, we started praying for his two high school boys. And one of them he was worried about wasn't going to graduate because of missing class. And he was under that. And we began to pray for that, regularly pray for his boys. And you know what happened? The burden got released, and he was full of capacity for fruit bearing. Amen. And then I, we'd get, there, get together, and, and something happened at work, and his boss took away the straw, took away the hay, and he had to make as many bricks as he's always been making, but he was under it. And we would pray for that, and things would change, saints. But what was happening is we would pray for his human situation, his human need, Capacity was restored for fruit bearing. And listen, that home meeting, and I say this, brothers, under the blood, many, many new ones. 
from UT came into that home meeting, have gone to the training, and even many have come back now and are serving during this period of time. But it wasn't, it wasn't because he is such a gifted person and a fruit bearer. It's because we began to practice bearing one another's burdens and fulfilling the law of Christ completely. And with the community saints, we have to be like this. And these verses in Numbers, I love these verses in Numbers. You can read that little quote later. But let's read. How about brothers on 16, sisters on 17, and all together on 18. Ready, brothers? Go. And from Sisters. You know, I think King James might say the princes dug, the leaders dug. They dug the well. You know, we would read the economy of God, and, and it's right in a chapter in the economy of God about this matter of digging. And saints, I don't need you to raise your hand. When we would read this, how would we read it? We would read it individually, totally individually. Is there that side? Yes. But we would read it totally. I need to go and dig. I need to go and dig. But you know what? Sometimes we would go and dig, but we're still not released. But you would open it to another brother or another sister, and all of a sudden, right away, the water flows. Right away. And I believe the reason this happens, brothers and sisters, is because the Lord in this day and age is after the body. He's not after just spiritual heroes. He's not just after spiritual individuals. He's after the body. And it's interesting, it was the leaders that took the lead to dig. And I would say this, brothers. We, when we're with one another, we need to take the lead to dig. Amen. And when I say this, I'm not saying, you know, I'm asking him about all his, his deep, dark past. I'm not talking about that. You know how to take the lead to dig? is by you first opening your situation. It's not like I'm there digging, trying to find something in this person. I've got a problem with my kids. I've got a problem with my health. I've got a problem with my car. I've got a problem with this situation. And when we take the lead to dig and the, the saints begin to pray for us, the water flows, the capacity is restored. And what does the next verse say? I planted and what did Apollos do? He watered because the digging has taken place and the water is so free to, free to flow, there's a watering that takes place and the body gets built up. Okay, I think I've run out of time. But I just want to tell you how much we've enjoyed being with you saints in the Northeast. So much enjoyed being with you saints. And I hope we could take, what, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and overflow from Friday night or uh, last night if you were there or this morning. And uh, just what's on your heart that we could just have more blending together. Amen. Amen.